0: About plants is about the, the seed on the good ground, the bad ground, the hard ground and the shallow ground and all of that. And then last week we, we Jesus spoke uh, um, on the tares and the wheat, the good ground. And then somebody comes and sows bad seed in good ground, and after he has sown good seed in that ground and. This week he he comes and he says, but the kingdom of God, and this is verse 31, then another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it's grown, it becomes greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and rest in its branches. This piece of text is also Quoted in Mark and in Luke, you can see on the board where it is, it's more or less the same. But I want you to understand that the, the, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed. It's not. It's very small, but it's not the smallest seed. So if you go and do research, it is a way of talking. It's an expression. Back then in the Hebrew, it's the it's, it's a, it's a smallest seed. And herbs don't grow big normally, they remember small. Yet the word that they use here is a very common word that is a plant that actually shrubs. It's not a tree that grows high. And there is another seed, also mustard seed, also small, that grows high, that causes a big tree. So the scholars are out which one of the two Jesus was talking about. and. But what he's trying to say yeah, and, and, and this is where I believe the Lord is leading me. So let's see what happens from here. I'm going to talk straight to you this morning. While we worship, I saw some people sitting. Some people might be absent-minded. Some people come to church just because coming to church is a good idea. You see, when I was four years old, I was forced into a cupboard with a girl. And so stuff happened in there that was not supposed to happen in the marriage. And that kept on happening in my life. And by nine, I was fully molested. And I don't know why I'm sharing this, because I just feel the Lord laid on my heart. You see, and in between this whole thing, I was about six years old and and standing. And I want you to know, I didn't go to church. My family didn't go to church. It wasn't something that my family did. I never knew about this. I never knew about God, I never not about God's salvation plan. I knew about a violent dad, highly sexualized life. And I was six years old and remember standing in Sapiko on the tea farm and my father is standing next to me and there's another man there, we're having a braai and the conversation between the two adults is what is your children going to become? And my dad turned to me, I was six years old, Reuben. And my dad asked me, what do you want to become? And let, out of my mouth, a
1: dominie.
0: <laughs> I've never been in a church. I've never been in a church. I don't even know what a duermine is. I don't know the gospel, I don't know the Bible, I don't know anything about that. All I know is an abusive father, a violent father. Highly sexualized world. Stuff that wasn't supposed to happen to a little boy. That's supposed to be it's a world that now our kids get exposed to and, and, and it's evil. And by 12 years old, I walked into the bottle store for the first time for myself. And I think I can remember correctly. It was 37 rand, 50 cents for a bottle of Red hot Jamaican Spice. The Central Hotel, Central Bottle Store next to the Central Hotel in Randfontein. And I put it on the counter and there was a young lady on the till and she looked at me and then she looked at her manager and the manager looked at me and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm buying it. And by the look in my eyes and the tone of my voice, you just go. You see, because the example, parents, I want to, I want to bring something across this morning that the enemy is after your children, and you might be oblivious of it. Parents, I want to tell you the enemy is after your marriage, and you might be oblivious of it, and you might think I'm just watching this movie. We're just watching this horror show. And because of that, because of just watching a horror show, I was scared of the dark until I got saved at 21. And when my brother saw me when I was 26, do you know what his first words were to me? Are you still scared of the dark? Are you still scared of the dark? I was like, no, That man's dead. You see, and by the age of 16, I was smoking, I was smoking marijuana, I was drinking as much as I can lay my hands on. I was carrying on in this highly sexualized world, looking at stuff that I'm not supposed to look at, doing stuff that I'm not supposed to, just movies, just being scallum. You know what scallum? Just being conniving around the corner, see where I can get away with what, and where I can score, and where I can gain, and how can I get this? Being caught for stealing a couple of times at shops. Because there's the spirit in the house is one that destroys. And by 18, I'm taking drugs. And by 21, just before, well, let's call it 20, i got no more place to stay. I'm living of muscles that are go and get off the rocks and that's what I'm eating. I'm working as a waiter in Port Elizabeth Just smoking as much weed because I can't walk down the street sober. I've become so self-conscious. But during this time of my growing up, every now and then, the Lord sends somebody on my way. One day I was traveling with my mom and my stepdad and we went to visit some people and this guy started praying while we were in the lounge and he started praying in tongues. I didn't even know what that is. I just said to my mother, I'm getting out of here now. You see, that small little seed and I wasn't, didn't even know. And then later on, you would see at high school, the children go at break time to the hall. And I'm like, why are they going to the hall in break time? It's time to smoke now, man. And they would go to like a Bible study. I don't even know what they call that in English. They go to a break time Bible study once a week. And I'm like, why would they do that? And it's just this little seed. Did I know about it? No? Did I take notice of it? No? Did I care about it? No. Have I remembered what I said when I was six years old? No. That's the furthest thing from my mind. In my matric year, they sent me to school psychologist because I was disruptive in class and the teachers, eventually it came out, were intimidated by me because I was already this tall. And um, I was prone to violence. So I would challenge them face to face. I would challenge them in front of the class. So they sent me to the school psychologist. And then one day, as, towards the end of matric, as I walk out of the Afrikaans class, my Afrikaans teacher, Yefra Else, I don't know how much courage it took from her, but it must have taken a hell of a lot of courage. And she asked me to stay behind. And I stayed behind, and she says, Do you know Jesus? I said, I don't care about your God. He can be up there in heaven with his enemy, the devil, and have a fight, but they've got nothing to do with my life. And I turned around and I walked away. Just a little seed. And then I went to the army. And one evening coming from the canteen, you know that in the army you get two beers per night. And, and those two beers are sacred to a troop. He will have them two beers. <laughs> and he's fit. So what happens with a fit guy that has two beers? It goes straight to his head. And leaving after watching A little bit more of the stuff that you ought not to watch, Baywatch. Ted Bundy on death row being interviewed by Dr. James Dobson. And if you know who Ted Bundy is, Ted Bundy is the biggest serial rapist killer that we have known. On death row, Dr. James Dobson asks him, how do we stop another Ted Bundy of happening? And he says, stop soft pornography. Men's Health, Cosmopolitan, Baywatch. Stop that. And you will stop the next Ted Bundy. Coming out of there, and there's people in in the mess. And I stand and look at them, and they're singing, and they're worshipping, and I'm like, what are you doing? So the one guy came to Massain, that was his surname. In the army you talk in surnames, because you got your surname on your chest. I wish some of you would have your names on your chest. <laughs> I keep on forgetting them. Massain came to me. And he had me pray a prayer. And I experienced something. I experienced something. And I went to my room, and I felt as dirty as I could ever feel in my whole life. With all the sin and everything that I've done wrong and all these sexual activities and all of that. It's just on me. And nothing in me changed, but I experienced something. A seed being planted. A seed being planted. Did it stop? Did I change? Nothing. Did it get worse? Yes. I went from bad to worse after that. So by the time I was staying in PE, when I left the army, I weighed 100 kilograms with 7% body fat. I was seriously playing rugby. I was straining like a madman. And in three months, I lost 30 kgs and I didn't even notice it because it the amount of drugs that I was using, just taking more drugs and more drugs and more drugs and more drugs and more drugs. And then I went to, and I resigned from the army within 24 hours, just resigned. I'm, t- I'm finished with this. And I'm living on the beach in P. not living on the beach, I'm living in a house, but I'm on the beach in PE, working as a waiter. And then that falls through. Get, and then I will go and stay with my father, I end up staying with my dad in Arte Dam. And my dad is an alcoholic. And since high school, we've been drinking together. Two, three bottles of brandy a day. Just drinking. Just consuming alcohol. You see, the enemy is after your children. And your lifestyle will, will lead them in a way that which you allow, will, your children will say, that's normal, that's okay. The way you fight with your spouse, the way you talk to your wife when you talk to your children they will see that as normal and they will carry on in that way and it will get worse and worse because the flesh will degenerate all the more all the more it will degenerate so one night while studying my dad it was a sunday night i came home about 12 o'clock And what happened that evening wasn't a pleasant experience because I I got into a place where I took so much drugs that I couldn't control my bodily functions. I've never told anyone this. And I got home and my dad's standing at the door with my bag full of dacha in his hands. And he says, what's this? Because he got it in my cupboard. I had trusted somebody, my father's girlfriend's son, and told him about it. And that's kind of what's happened in my life. Every time I trust somebody, they would stab me in the back and betray me and betray me. And many of you have had that where you've opened your heart to people and they would betray you and 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 betray you. And eventually you come to a place where you can trust no one. And you're too shy to talk and too shy to come up, just too too shy to show who you are on the inside. Because it's been hurting for so long, so bad. But under the radar, there's a little seed growing. And I told my dad that night, and he's screaming at me, and I never raised my voice at my dad. I had more common sense than that. You know, you'll have a free trip to the hospital if you do it. So I just told him with all due respect, Dad, obviously we're still not ready for one another. I'll be gone tomorrow morning. And the next morning I took my stuff and I hitchhiked to Pretoria with the idea that I'll sleep on the street and find a job as a barman somewhere and I'll somehow just land on my feet. And I came into Pretoria and I didn't recognize it because the city had changed In the five years that I haven't been there, or the three years that I haven't been there, and I don't even know where I am. And I'm in a panic, and I phoned my aunt in Cape Town. I said, Listen, and her name is Esme. I said, Esme, what what do I do now? What do I do? Because I've burned all the bridges, and I can't go stay with anyone. She says, Why don't you phone your aunt Maxie? And they gave me the phone number, and I phoned off a ticky box. For those of you that don't know what a ticky box is, you put money in, and you put you net know, in. <laughs> and Dwayne said to me, that's her husband, said to me, meet me in Queen Street, I'll pick you up there. I don't know Pretoria, so I'm like walking around and I'm asking people where's Queen Street. Eventually I get to the small little street in the center of Pretoria City. It's actually not a street anymore, it's just a little walkway. And I waited there. The whole day, about half past six the evening, he picked me up. And this is in August. So it's cold. Don't know the place. I'm scared. I'm I'm not even 21 yet. And there's nothing left of me. That was the Monday night. That Thursday night, I get saved. That Thursday night, see that seed that was under the radar growing, started surfacing. And the Lord used my aunt and he he gave her so much wisdom. And I know she had to have a lot, a lot of courage because while they were having this cell group, And I couldn't enter in there because something in me said, you can't go in there. And after the cell group, I went to put the book back that I was reading. And I decided that I'm leaving the very next morning because these people are crazy. They're crazy. People standing with their hands in the air worshiping. If you were a bystander, what would you think? They're crazy. If you don't know it. If you've got no clue about what it is, if someone said to me, are you coming to cell group? And I said, I don't have any cellulite. I'm not going to know cell group. (laughs) If you don't know what it is, you don't know, you've got the privilege to see it and ignore it if you want to. Because many people, their children come to church. And they see it, but at home they don't see it. And they say, there's no truth in it. My dad keeps on talking to my mom that way. There's no truth in what he says. Life keep, because in yeah, we start making equations of what, how life happens and what happens in life. Then the pleasures of the flesh will take over and you will pursue that. To go after this pleasure. To satisfy a need and a hunger that you have on the inside. You will do that. And some people it will be sex. Some people it will be drugs. Some people, it will be money and status, having the right house, living in the right place, relating with the right people, just to fill this void that I can feel that I'm coping and okay. And as I walk out this room and I told my aunt, and I see them worshiping, and somebody's on the guitar, and somebody's on the knees, and somebody is praying karate church prayers, you know? that's what I thought, you know, somebody that prays like that goes to the Karate Church. Watch out! That's the only conclusion my mind could make about these things. And as I was walking back to the room, I said to her, Maxi, I will be gone tomorrow morning because you are crazy. And I'm not staying in this house one second longer. Do you think it took some courage to speak to me then? She said to me, sit down son, I want to tell you something. And she started explaining my life to me, parts that she did not even know. The Lord just gave her wisdom and gave her a word of knowledge and she didn't know parts of my life. Just unpacking it, unpacking it, unpacking how people disappointed me, how people backstabbed me, how people betrayed me, how those people, mom and dad, you're supposed to make choices for your children. You are supposed to make decisions for them to protect them. That's your job. Your job is to say, no, you won't watch that. No, that will not be your friend. No, you're not going to have this in your school curriculum. You will walk out that class and I will write the principal a letter that this is not the stuff that my kid will be educated in. It is your job, It's your job to protect their innocence. It's your job to say you will not date and you will not have a boyfriend and this kissy kissy and all of that, that's hogwash. It is your job to do that. It's your job to raise your man to be a gentleman, say listen son, any man can do to go down that avenue. It takes a real man to keep himself holy and pure. You don't want to sit with the comparisons that I have in my mind. You don't want to sit with that. You don't want to sit with that track record. Because there's only death in there. There's no life there. And Maxie sat me down and she explained. You see, a lot of people believe in God. Very few people believe in his salvation plan. And she explained his salvation plan, that Jesus died because of all the Son, you see all that sick stuff that you did from the age of four. You see everywhere you opened yourself and couldn't say no to drugs and smoking and where you did stuff that you would never would want to do because that's not who you are. And you are hiding the sensitive guy the whole time. Just putting away, because life is so hard and life hurts so much and everybody disappoints you and breaks you down and teases you and mocks you and belittles you. You become hard. And because life is unsafe, you put up boundaries and you say, you won't come near me anymore. And no one can get through that. And you start using people to fill your need. You see, I've, I've been a bad dad to my son sometimes. I'm sorry to my boys. I've been a husband that used my wife for my needs. So that I can feel better about myself. I'm sorry. You see, because life will break you down, but under the radar. The kingdom of God is growing. And I hope this morning that this I can just be an instrument. Because I've got nothing to give you. I've got nothing to give you. The only thing I can give you is Jesus. I am nothing. I grew up in Randfontein. You can go Google Randfontein. Next to the bridge, n- by the railway, I'm from the wrong side of town, I'm the guy that your mom warned you against, that will not be your friend, and you will. that's not your boyfriend, that's not your husband, my wife luckily ignored her mother on that one. I've done such atrocious stuff in my life that there's no chance. Sometimes I don't even want me. But Jesus wants me. His salvation plan is, son, I paid for you. I paid for you. I laid my life down for you so I don't care this morning what you have done or how long you've been saved you see that seed must come to fruition it must grow it must come out from underneath the radar and start standing up and say Lord I need to advance your kingdom I need to become a tree where people can find rest and shade. And when, when we have 120 of those people or 40 of those people, this congregation needs to become that place where people can find rest. In a safe place where people realize the only thing I have is Jesus to give because some people are paralyzed and some people have got leprosy and some people it's that they like me just all messed up and the only one that can heal that is Jesus Amen. the only one that can heal that the only one that can take your broken heart because it might have been shattered Because dreams that are broken, relationships that are broken, marriages that are broken, hopes gone, maybe a bad past. Maybe you're sitting in a place where you don't even know which way to go. Jesus knows what he wants to do with your life. That seed is in there. I know him. If he has taken the time through my life to plant little seeds, he has done the same to you. He won't choose a redhead, freckled face guy from Randfontein and look over you and not say, "I like you." He won't do that. I want to pray with you this morning i want the ministry team to come stand in front here please the band please get up and i don't even know what to to call this but the first thing that i need to ask you is are you saved not just a nominal Christian that comes to church and say, okay, are you saved? You see, if you have to wake me up three o'clock in the morning with a gun to my head and say, are you saved? I'll say, yes, I am saved, sir. And you ask me why? I say, because on the 5th of August, 1999, Jesus walked into my life. And he turned the tables over. He took all the junk that was lying on my, the tables of my heart. And he threw it on the ground. And he said, son, we're starting over. You are mine. I had to do something. I had to say, dear Lord Jesus. And I want to pray that with you. If you've, can, can we close our eyes? Can each, all of us just close our eyes? And maybe you've prayed this before, and maybe you've never prayed it. And maybe you've prayed it and don't know if it meant something. And I don't want to just go into a place of the sinner's prayer saves you. But I know that Jesus saves. And and what I'm presenting to you is Jesus. So when you say these words, receive him. Dear Lord Jesus. I need you to come into my life, to come into my life. Come throw over the tables of my heart.
1: from the tables of my heart.
0: Lord, clean off all the junk.
1: Clean off all the junk.
0: Would you become my king? Would you become my king? I receive you. I receive you as my Lord as my Lord. As my savior,
1: As my savior.
0: I believe in my heart that you died on a cross, that you died on the cross, and that you rose from the dead, and that you are God also. Thank you, thank you, for saving me now, saving me now, in Jesus' name. Just keep your eyes closed. I don't want to ask if you prayed that prayer for the first time. I want to ask if there's something moving inside of you that you look at me. If you experience something moving, thank you. If there's a shift in your spirit, thank you. Just look at me. because That's the Holy Spirit moving. Father, thank you for what you are doing. The second thing I want to ask you this morning. You see, when when you get to a place where you, Jesus is worthy of all, He's worthy of everything, and you might be in a place where you don't know which way to go, that you need this morning the kingdom of God that mustard seed to start breaking through in your life, whatever it might be, whatever it might be please, would you come forward? We want to pray with you. Don't... Now, I want you to... If you want, you need to stand up now. We're not going to extend this invitation where there's people waiting in front. Yeah, you're not going to be alone. No one's going to... Please don't look around. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about what the people next to you think. Just worry about your Father. Would you... If you need a touch from the Lord this morning, would you stand up and just come forward? You go stand wherever you want to, they will pray for you. Father, we exalt you, we exalt you, exalt you, exalt you, we exalt you, Lord, thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, some of us are too shy to come out, that's okay for you, Lord, Lord, where they are seated, would you, would you come with your Holy Spirit, And touch touch their hearts Lord not because there's something wrong with them but because you love them come pour out your love in their hearts come reveal yourself to them Lord
1: Surrendering all, surrendering all, and find me here, Lord, as you draw me near, I'm desperate for you, Lord, I'm desperate for you. I surrender Yes, I surrender Lord, I want to know You more I want to know You more I surrender Lord, I surrender Lord, I want to know You more. I want to know you more. And drench my soul. Won't you stand mercy and uh, grace? And we worship the Lord together. Fold a hunger and thirst. A hunger and thirst. With arms stretched wide, I know you hear my cry. Speak to me now, please speak to me now. And I surrender, and I surrender, and I want to know. You more, I want to know you more. I surrender, yes, I surrender, and I want to know you more. I want to know you. Like a rushing wind Jesus brings Surrender and I surrender, and I want to know you more. I want to know you more, and I surrender, and I surrender. Lord, I want to know you more, but I need to know you more. I surrender, oh Lord Jesus, I want to know you more, I want to know you more. I surrender Lord, I truly surrender And I want to know you more Jesus, I need to know you more I surrender Yes, I surrender My flesh, Lord And I want to know I want to know you more. I surrender to a holy, holy Father. And I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I surrender. I surrender And I need to know you more I long to know you more I surrender Lord, I surrender And I want to know you more I want to know you more, Lord Jesus.
0: Father, we thank you. You can take your seats. Thank you, Lord. I want to share with you, if you know me, that I'm trying to root my life so badly on Scripture that I need God to talk to me. those of you that are a little bit closer to me know that I've been searching for the Lord and about two, three weeks ago I got this scripture where I believe the Lord is talking to me and I've just shared with you. Now he was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See how I have removed your iniquity from you and will clothe you with rich robes. And as as long as I can remember, I have been struggling with sexual temptation. And three weeks ago, the Lord shared this, gave me this word. And for three weeks, I've been walking in victory. Glory, glory, glory. Because God has taken the bentness. You see that little tree that was bent that way? He's taken that away. He's cut that away from me. He said, I will dress you with rich robes. God wants to do something in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come now. Lord, and I speak over your children. Victory. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I know him who gives victory. I speak that over you as it is in heaven, so on earth. Father, that that you come, Holy Spirit. I've got nothing. I just give what I have in the name of Jesus. Stand up. Be victorious. Break free. Run. Don't be afraid anymore. In the name of Jesus. take that which you want to give the lord in your hand this morning and i want you this morning to to add faith to that see yourself part of this congregation that is starting